It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 8.06 on a Saturday morning, 77 degrees outside. we got a few more degrees to add to that today. It's Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you do outside. And if you have a question about watering particularly, I can tell you some details about the drought situation, about the drought rules that we have. Although they're minimal right now, don't forget we have a set of rules that will come into play if the uh, drought gets any worse during the summertime. If we don't have any rain for the next week or so, then you can expect that they'll have some more rules about when you can and can't water. And uh, if you have questions about how to preserve your plants in the time of drought, I'll be happy to answer those questions as well. 404-872-0750. Our first question from Paul in Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, Paul. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Um, two summers ago, I re-landscaped and resodded and added the brand new irrigation system. Yeah. Um, I shut it off for the winter, and I didn't use it last year. I turned it on yesterday to run it through, and it works, but none of the heads rotate. So I read online where you could clean them out. Yeah. If not, then you have to replace them. I'm just having a hard time with every single head not moving and being damaged. Mm, they've gotten some sand in there that got into the gears. Or as you were mowing last year, if you run over them two or three times with a lawnmower and mash them down, the heads will get deformed and won't rotate after that. I could see pretty easily why they would... Why they would not rotate. So, so try cleaning them out first, popping yeah. the heads. Yeah, yeah, pop the heads off. And some you have to dig a little bit in there to get the whole head exposed so you can clean it off good and put it back together. But usually and it's pretty Is it pretty easy to do myself? Pretty simple. Yeah, you should be able to sort of see how it fits together, screws together. Um, while you're in there, take the nozzle out. The nozzle is usually a removable, and you blow it out with your mouth or you know rinse it out in a bucket of water or something like that to make sure there's no no debris in the nozzle, uh, put it back together, turn the system on, and hopefully it turns this time. Hey, thanks a lot. Well, wait just a minute. I got more information for you, Paul. Oh, I'm sorry. Because there are other people out there listening who are thinking, I'm not handy like Paul. I don't want to do that myself. <laughs> and there, there are, and they're thinking now's the time to start irrigating their uh, lawn because it looks so dry right now. And there are a number of irrigation contractors in Atlanta who will be happy to come out and do the job for you. And the way to find them, that's the information I wanted to pass on, georgialandscapepro.com. georgialandscapepro.com. It's uh, a part of the Urban Ag Council, and they have all their members listed there, and the irrigation folks are happy to come and you know, clean systems, blow them out in the wintertime so they don't uh, freeze, um, the repair systems. And one of the best things, this is one of the best things that a landscape professional can do, is to check the system for uniformity of application. Because, Paul, I'll guarantee you 50% of the systems in Atlanta, Georgia, are not uniformly applying water. And if if a system is putting more water in one part of the yard than the other part of the yard, then you're either overwatering or underwatering the grass. So they need to be set, and they can be adjusted and set by a professional so that everything is very evenly applied. Every zone gives the right amount of water at the right uh, time during the day. But sometimes it takes a pro to come look at it, and georgialandscapepro.com, you can find somebody who'll do it. Great. Okay. Thank you. But do it yourself. And if you can't, if you can't figure it out, I'll get somebody to help you. Okay, thanks for, thanks for calling. 
404-872-0750 is my number. We got Joel from Snellville, and he has a question about his Japanese maple this morning. Joel, hey, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. What you got? Uh, my mother has a large Japanese maple, and she's inherited this thing. It's about 12 feet, 15 feet wide, probably six feet tall. Wow, and I've okay. heard horror stories about trimming those things back, and I just needed to know if there's a company in Atlanta or on the east side of Atlanta that trims those back. There are a couple of companies that specialize in pruning in general, and one guy in particular who does nothing but Japanese maples. But um, the guy who does the Japanese maples exclusively, I am not going to give his name on the air right now because, quite frankly, the last time I did it, he was covered up in calls. And he said, I don't want any more jobs. I am too busy right now working on Japanese maples. But uh, the uh, pruning guru, Rick Smith, is one who does Japanese maples in most of Atlanta. I don't know if he comes out to Snellville or not. But again, if you go to georgialandscapepro.com and just type in, I want a pruning professional in there, find a professional uh, part of the website, you can find somebody who will come and do Japanese maple shape up, trim up. Great. And it's not its not all that dangerous to the maple, too, Joel. I should mention that, that you said horror stories, but with judicious pruning, a Japanese maple will look great and doesn't have any harm from being pruned. And so, um, you know, don't worry too much about it if you want to do it yourself or you want a professional to do it either way. It's not going to kill the tree if you do it right. Yeah, I'm, that's what I'm afraid of. I'm just a, I'm not a green thumb, and yeah. I'm afraid I'll mess it up. And it's, it's, you say it's your mother's tree? It is. Oh, you might be mad. <laughs> you want to be careful about your mother's tree. <laughs> yeah, like the guy that called earlier about uh, or the lady that said her son needs to plant flowers. I don't want to yeah. be that. Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to be that guy at all, Joel. Thanks for calling, man. All right, thanks. Enjoy the show. Again, the website is georgialandscapepro.com. We've got uh, Marcy at New Hope who joins us on Lawn and Garden. Marcy, good morning. Good morning. My question to you this morning is, um, when chemical companies do a treatment on a lawn, mm -hmm. and for some reason they never seem to inform the person that they should water it in, in if it's uh, the uh, pellets, uh -huh. how effective is that on a lawn if a customer is not watering the pellets in? Let me, is the, are you doing pellets, fertilizer pellets? Or, yeah, uh, the granule stuff. They should be watered in, absolutely. They should say, yeah. the company should say, water this in. What are they going to do, right. standing up on top of the grass? Nothing at all. They need well, to be watered in. Exactly. And obviously, I cut grass for a living, so I deal with this all the time. And then um, somebody will say, well, my my lawn looks terrible. And I said, there's this great thing called water when there yeah. isn't any rain coming, yeah. that you should water your lawn and water the granules in when they, when they spread them. So. Sure. I'm trying to instill this in them, so anyone who's listening, if you have a company, please <laughs> water your lawn. Water it in. And I think the assumption is that rain will eventually come, particularly in the spring, and you fertilize the lawn then, the rain will come and water it in, and then naturally you don't need to say anything to your customer. But during the right. summertime, oh, absolutely, it needs to be watered in so the nutrients dissolve and become available to the roots. That's exactly yeah. a good point. And then also they fertilize the driveways and the sidewalks as well and yeah. never blow things back into the lawn. So it's always on the driveway and the sidewalks as well. And it's very difficult to, but so does it, is it, is it, is it effective if they don't water it in? Is 
you know. Not very. Um, when fertilizer stands on top of the ground for a week or two, maybe, and does not get watered in, it actually deteriorates. The nutrients evaporate, they change and volatilize and evaporate up into the air. And so that fertilizer is wasted, for lack of yeah. a better word. So no, watering in, you make a great mind. point, Marcy. Watering in for fertilizers is the best thing to do after an application, and mm -hmm. professionals need to tell their clients to do that. Right, right, because it's a struggle. It's an ongoing battle yeah, <laughs> between yeah, yeah. who cuts the grass and who can, who does the fertilization. I'm like, I'm doing my job. You need to water. Well, you Marcy, know? that's your added uh, good. That's what makes you a good professional because you can <laughs> you can add this information to your uh, invoice every month and say, don't forget, watering your fertilizer exactly. in is a great thing to do. And maybe add that onto your list of, so of services that you do is uh, scheduling irrigation for them and maybe find a landscape pro who will come in and do some irrigation work with you and uh, make a little yeah. team there. <laughs> that would be great. Well, Hopefully all my customers, I tell them, listen, Saturday mornings to Walter Reed. He's awesome. <laughs> He'll tell you. Thank you, Marcy. <laughs> so, awesome. Have a good weekend. Thanks for calling. Thanks. Bye-bye. We've got time. Sure, we've got time in here for John. John's out in Kennesaw, and he joins us. Lawn and Garden. Hey, John, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm fine. What's up? Uh, I got a gardenia bush back in uh, March, and I planted it in the backyard of my house on the south side, and... Ever since I planted it, it's had a hard time hanging on. Mm, and yeah. I'm trying to figure out what's the best way to kind of bring it back to life. Water, water, water. Three words and all of them the same. Uh, gardenias are not particularly you know, sensitive to water damage, but when you say March, I'm immediately thinking this is an evergreen shrub. And then immediately in March, it's thinking I've got to grow, and it grows, and it just doesn't have the time to set up a good root system in the in the March, April, May, and now all of a sudden, 95 degrees in June. So water is the okay. best thing you can do for it. And make sure when you put the water on it, John, that it's right at the base of the plant. That's where the roots are still concentrated. That's the part you do not want to let dry out. Yeah, that's what I've been doing is watering right in the center. Good. Um, Good. Do you recommend fertilizer at all? No, not right now. Um, okay. We talked about the lawn earlier, and frankly, it's not the greatest thing in the world for a lawn to be fertilized, even with watering it, if you don't water consistently, because fertilizer forces growth onto a plant. And this poor gardenia that you have is is struggling as it is, and putting fertilizer on there forces new growth on it, which needs more water, which sort of leads to a circle of bad things going on. Okay. So uh, minimizing fertilizer during the heat, during the major heat part of the summertime, would be best for lawns as well as for shrubs and trees. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Nothing to it, John. Thanks for calling. Huh? It's 817. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after this. Wake up to breaking news. First thing Monday in Atlanta's morning news. Clark Howard's tricks eliminate bills you don't need and the better chance of storms and Kirk Mellish's five-day forecasts you can plan ahead on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. All day I face the barren waste without the taste of water. Very nice, Scott Maxim. Time for a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Oh, that was a nice song. Water, water, water. You betcha. Well, perfect day for gardening 
indoor gardening pretty much. If you're an indoor gardener, you will have a lot to do today in the air conditioning because temperatures outside be in the mid-90s, 96 degrees is what we're looking at right now, 78 degrees outside. Going down to the mid-70s tonight, overnight, and not a chance hardly at all of any rain anywhere in the metro Atlanta area. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We have time right now to give away the weekend prize pack. We will let Ashley think of a number between 2 and 7 to determine who wins a family four-pack of tickets or the Adventure Passes. That's what it is, Adventure Passes, Stone Mountain Park. A pair of tickets to the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra's Music of Star Wars. That'll be fun on September 10th at Verizon Wireless Amphitheater. Ashley, who wins? Caller number 4. Caller number 4 to our contest line, 404 741 0750 and you get the passes to Stone Mountain Park as well as to the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra. Let's go to the phones. We got Mary Ella incoming. She joins us on Lawn and Garden. Mary Ella, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you, ma'am. How can I help? Well, um, I am new to Georgia. Good. And I Welcome. absolutely love it here from South Florida where it's one long hot summer. <laughs> so I am, I am very new to gardening, and I am really, really enjoying it. Yeah, good. Um, I started my garden in the spring. All that stuff has come up. Um, I want to continue, though, and I was wondering what would be um, good to plant now for, you know, the fall, winter. It's early. Come on, Mariella. It's early. <laughs> 90 degrees outside, and nothing is planted for the fall gardening. Um we don't start really thinking about fall gardening until sometime in early September is about right. And the oh. first week in early in September, you can plant seeds for some of the fall crops as long as you have sort of a, a shady garden that doesn't get full, full sun because they don't germinate all that well when it's really hot. But things like broccoli, um, what else, onions maybe a little bit. You can plant seeds in early September, or you can wait till late September and plant the plants once they become available at nurseries. So really, we've got a couple of months before you even think about fall gardening. Right now, we're thinking about squash and tomatoes and corn and beans and peas and all that. Speaking of squash, one quick question, because I did plant squash, and I had no idea that the leaves were just enormous. Yeah. So I planted carrots next to them. They didn't make it. Um, I did look up on the internet, but I'm a little confused. Like the squash would start to come up, and then they would get like real, like wet and icky. <laughs> you need so, to look. I have a specific place for you to look, Mariella, and that's at WalterReeves.com. And type the word squash pollination. It'll show you some icky squash, and it'll explain that squash turn icky when the when the female flowers don't get pollinated properly. And it'll show you a little demonstration of how to pollinate a squash plant by using a Q-tip swab. Go into the male flower, it'll show you a picture of a male flower, how to know what that is. Take a Q-tip in there and sort of boodle it around a little bit, and then put it in the female flower and boodle it around a little bit in there. Oh, and, you know, okay. Perform squash, for lack of a better word, squash sex is what you're doing. It's pollination. Learn how to do that, and you're home free. you got a lot of squash. Okay, got it. Thank you very much. Mary Ella, welcome to Georgia. Glad you're here and call again. Thank you. I will. Enjoy your day. Sure bet. We'll see you soon. Coming up in the next half hour, Joe wants to know about her soil and how to refurbish that soil, beefing it up for better gardens. Lloyd in Decula wants to know about the purple clover that's growing in his Bermuda lawn. And Johnny in Atlanta has peaches. 
and they have a side dish of worms in his peaches and he wants to know what is that and why is that happening to his peaches we've got answers to all those questions maybe yours too if you want to call you can ask a question at 404-872-0750 we'll be back right after news a song of you comes as sweet and clear is moonlight through the pines. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 835 and 80 degrees outside. Let me repeat that one more time. It's 835 and 80 degrees outside. It's going to go up to 96 this afternoon. It's going to be warm. It's going to be warm. It's going to be warm. But there's still things you can plant in your landscape that will do fine and give you a bunch of bang for the buck. Here to advise on what could be planted in the landscape, Mickey Gasaway from Pike Nursery. Hey, Mickey. Good morning. How are you? I am excited to be indoors in the air conditioning right now. Good for you. Well, last night, I have to tell you this, this is my latest issue. I left the water on all night. Oh! I was out hand watering, and I left it on. Stan came in this morning and said, did you water this morning? And I said, no. Fortunately, my bed is right above where the water comes into the house, and I can hear it running if it is running outside. Thank goodness I don't do that much. He was not a happy camper. Sorry, Stan. Well, it's just water. It's just water, water, that's right. But the good news is Pike has plants on sale this weekend which don't require a lot of water to get started, and they look gorgeous. They are. These are. We've got um, the BOGO this weekend is... um, um, the coleus, con coleus, and under the sea coleus. Have you seen those? Wait, before we do that, there are oh. listeners out there right now saying, BOGO? What's a BOGO? A BOGO is buy one, get one free. That's a deal. BOGO. That's, young people say BOGO a lot more than people like you and I, Mickey. Oh, so, okay. Well, I really, I, I was being cool. We have to translate <laughs> occasionally for this. <laughs> All right, so we got the Kong and under the sea coleus that are buy one, get one free. That's right. They are two enormously different but enormously wonderful coleus plants is the best way to describe them. I have planted the Kongs everywhere this year, and they just do so good, and they show up really good. I planted some in a fern bed and with ferns and um, uh, hostas, and they just look so good. For listeners who are wondering, what is she saying, Kong, King Kong? King like Kong, Kong, like the big uh, gorilla, Kong, Kong coleus. They are huge. big things. I've yeah. got some that I, I swear are two and a half feet tall. They're giant yeah. with huge leaves on them. They're really, and they come in several different colors. I like the real bright colors. And they look really good. And because they're so big, that's why buying one and getting one free makes such a deal because they just cover a lot of ground. And yeah. if you've got dead flowers from the spring, things you want to fill a hole with, one or two concolias, and you're home free. You got it I done. I love coleus anyway for um, 
late summer because, like you said, where things die out, they take over. And the new under the sea, this is like something I've never seen before. There's one big red one, and I meant to look at the name of it, and I can't, but it's got very, very defined edges, and it's huge. It's really pretty. And then there's another one that's kind of swirled around. It's it's They're real different and really pretty. Yeah, I think they're called under the sea because they look sort of like amoeba, sort of like um, it, uh, yeah, jellyfish in a it. way. Yeah, one of them. I was trying to think of the name of them. I can't remember the name of either one of them, but they're really, really different. And for people that like things that are different, this is it, and they're pretty. And in both cases, there are different colors and different different shapes of the leaves, sort of. It's mm-hmm. called the Under the Sea series and the Kong series. And so you have a lot of different colors and shapes and things to choose from, not just one or two plants to look at. Right. I, I do think the Kongs, I have found, and I don't know what it says, I have found they do better in a little bit more shade. If you do, a lot of the new colliers do great in full sun, but the Kongs have done better with me, for me in a little more shade. And I think because it's so hot right now, the yeah. advice would be to dig the soil nicely, make a nice soft bed to put them into. Be sure maybe a little sure start in there would help and water them for at least a week or so yeah. just to get them yeah. established. And once they're established in the landscape, they just take off and no problems after that. That's right. Uh, Kong coleus. Buy one, get one. Under the sea coleus. Buy one, get one. Fill those color color voids in the landscape, make some color pops in the landscape. They're awesome plants. Awesome plants. You got it. <sighs> and today, yes. we have a class. And what's the class? The class is on attracting hummingbirds and butterflies. Terrific. Uh, Ashley, sadly, her mother was trying to train hummingbirds to come and feed from her palm. It was this little bitty hummingbird feeder, and the squirrels got the hummingbird feeder and ate it up. So her mama doesn't have the hummingbirds coming to feed from her palm. Oh, Oh, we've had lots of, we've got, I know, uh, three or four, and I know I've got one that's nesting because I'm watching it fly up to the maple tree. Uh So I think one. One is nesting. Well, finding that nest would be just an exercise in frustration. They're little bitty, bitty nests. You can barely ever see them, even when you're looking directly at them. It's I just so camouflaged. The, I can find them in the wintertime, and I know about where it is. So when the tree loses its leaves, if I get some binos sometime, I can go out there and look at it. And you know they use the same nest year after year. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they do. So you don't want to do anything with that nest. They make it out of little lichens and pieces mm-hmm. of hair lichens and bark and things and, like uh, that. Uh, spider webs. Ha! Huh. That's what they line it with, or dandelion poofs. So the the class today, nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. Nine o'clock. All Pike Nursery locations feeding and hummingbirds. No, one more thing I've got to add. Uh-huh. No, I'm running my mouth this morning. Uh, the one more thing they said that everybody needs to remember is that hummingbirds feed their babies spiders and mosquitoes. <sighs> And so that's, that's the reason why mosquitoes are there. God made mosquitoes that's for exactly the hummingbirds. Right. Well, all right. So there. I would just say the hummingbird, the mosquitoes in my neighborhood are not going to get as far as the hummingbird's mouth. They're going to get into my palm, into my hand. Well, that's okay too. There are plenty out there. Don't get the spiders. That's true. Well, Mickey, where do we find all the pike locations for the class and for the buy one get one free on the coleus? At pikenursery.com. Of course. We'll see you next Saturday. Okay. Bye bye. See you then. We've got on the phones. We got Johnny in Atlanta with his peaches that have the worms in them. Hey, Johnny. Good morning. Johnny. Hey, what? Hey, John. What's going on? Hey, this is old Mr. Dotto, retired school, but I'm a school bus driver, and I want to enjoy my pictures. Every year they come real full, and some folks put a can of potash in the ground, and this and that. I ain't nothing them. 
And I want to know what in the world you do to get rid of them worms and them pictures. You start earlier than today because those worms started, oh, three weeks ago, maybe. There's a, a weevil, wow. a weevil that comes. It's a peach weevil, peach curculio weevil, it's called. And she came along and laid her eggs in the peach fruit three, four weeks ago, and the egg hatched out and then burrowed down into the fruit. And then when Johnny comes to eat the peach, the worm is inside, and Johnny doesn't <laughs> oh, like man. that peach. No. Oh, man, I can't handle it. It is so sweet. Yeah. But what? what's the solution? So put on your calendar next year. Start thinking about worm control in mid-May of next year. Put it on your calendar that says this is around the time to start spraying the trees. Mid-May, okay. Mid-May. Start spraying it with any of the what's called home orchard sprays, and they're an insecticide. And that will kill the curculio, the weevil, before it gets started laying eggs on the fruit. But that's oh, what you do to prevent okay. it is to start in May. In May, mid-May, by mid-May. Yep. Hey, man, I sure appreciate you being this first time calling. Thank you for receiving my call here. Johnny, let me tell you what my mother would do. This is just uh -huh. my mother. I don't expect you to do the same, but I'll tell you what my <laughs> mother would do. She would take that peach, and she'd take a little paring knife and cut out the bad part where the worm was and slice it up and feed it to us anyway. It didn't do any damage to me. If you uh -huh. like the peach, if it's close to being ripe, I'd say you do the same. <laughs> Man, that, that's so limited, but it was work, did I'll eat them bars up, they'd be so sweet, I might get one in there. Little parry knife is all you need, little parry knife. Well, I sure appreciate you being there. Thanks a lot. Thanks, yeah. John. We'll see you soon. All right, thank you, too. All right, man. 40, all right. 44 minutes past the hour, and that gives uh, Lloyd his turn. Lloyd, join us on Lawn and Garden. Yes, sir, Walter. I appreciate you taking my call. And you bet. I'm up here in uh, Gwinnett County, and I uh, started out this year and with weeding and feeding my Bermuda lawn, and everything looks pretty good. I don't really have any uh, weeds except I've got this clover, and it's this green clover, but also this purple clover mm -hmm. that um, seems to have some little yellow blooms on it sure. from time to time. Sure. And didn't know how to maybe get rid of that stuff. I've tried again all different weed and feed stuff, but that doesn't seem to work. It's mm. another one like Johnny's worms and his peaches that prevention is a whole lot easier than trying to cure it once you see it in the garden or in the lawn. I mean, the uh, hop clover and various kinds of oxalis is what you have. And they germinated. They germinated back in early to mid-May, I guess. And so mm -hmm. back then when they were young and tender, it would have been a great time to put just an overall season-long weed control. Bayer makes one. Ortho makes one. Another one that worked real well. And now they're getting tough. Fortunately, hot weather many times will kill some of them. Some of them just fade away and end of story on that. And sometimes they don't fade away and it bothers you to have them in the lawn. If you can promise me that you'll be able to water a little bit, because many of the weed killers applied in the heat of the summer, it'll say on the label, may cause discoloration of the lawn in, in yeah. hot weather. You can avoid the discoloration if you water it in and do it right after you apply the stuff and even do the application late in the afternoon so there's not so much hot weather and hot temperatures with the chemical on your grass. But one of the uh, season-long controls, either product from Ortho or from Bayer, would work just fine against the clover and uh, minimize your, your discoloration by doing it in the afternoon and evening. 
Okay, I appreciate that. Right. Yeah, it's, it's again, it's it's not a problem in terms of you know ruining the rest of the lawn. It's just a little more of an aggravation than anything. Yeah. So yeah, okay, I All appreciate right. your the information. Thanks for calling, Lloyd. Thank you. Don't forget, one of the things that I noticed on plants, I posted this on Facebook just the other day, was or is the fibrous-looking stuff, the white powdery, it looks like mildew is what it looks like, powdery stuff growing on the or living on the uh, stems of hosta and vertical stems on daylilies, and where else have I seen it recently? There's several plants in my land, coneflowers, coneflowers all over the coneflowers, but there's white powdery looking stuff up and down the stems, and you think that it must be some sort of disease or mildew or something like that, but if you take a pine needle and go and poke it just a little bit, all these little bugs will jump off, blue, 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 they'll jump off the, uh, the stems of your plants. So the white powdery stuff that you see on plant stems right now are actually insects called plant hoppers, and plant Hoppers can possibly spread disease once in a while. They're not a major thing on plants. They usually don't do much damage to them at all. And honestly, if you don't like it, wash them off. Just get a water hose out there and spray them or hire a 10-year-old to come out with his water gun and spray them off that way. So if you see this white, powdery-looking stuff on the stems of plants right now, generally speaking, not a big deal. Wash it off. Nothing to worry about. Okay? It's 848. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's going to be hot this afternoon. No way to get around it. No way to beat around the bush. It's going to be hot, hot, hot. Mid-90s this afternoon. 96 degrees, maybe. It's going to be hot. It's going to be about mid-70s tonight. Right now it's 81 degrees outside and it's not even 9 o'clock yet. So, your full weekend forecast comes in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Not much rain either, sad to say. Marilyn is down in Fettville, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Marilyn. Hey, Walter. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I'll make it quick. I bought three Boston ferns, as I do every year, that I hung on my screened-in porch. And about a week ago... Uh, Well, let me just say that they started dying as soon as I got them home, and I've never had that happen before. And all of a sudden, my porch was filled with moths, and I had no clue where they were coming from, so I took one to the extension office and found out it was a Florida fern moth. So I got the the, uh, plants out of my porch. However, when reading up on it, I found out that um, once the moths hatch, they mate and then lay a zillion eggs. And what I'm concerned about is, will they have laid eggs in my other plants that I have on the porch, and how can I get prevent them from... Uh, Mar- Marilyn, the good news, this is a long question and a very short answer, and the answer uh, is no. They don't get on other plants particularly at all. They only get on ferns, and the moths are very common. When the midsummer ferns get shipped up from Florida, they have a lot of eggs on them. They hatch out. The caterpillars are down in the soil. They hatch out. But they only seem to 
to hurt the fern so frankly I wouldn't worry too much about it and keep your eye out for any other ferns that get them in their porch but I don't think you worry about the uh, moth getting onto the, or the caterpillars getting on anything besides the ferns that you might have still we'll get to Joe off the air in just a minute Joe so stick around for my question or my answer for you about refurbishing the soil but I do want to thank Ashley Frasca for being on such a great call screener on a Saturday morning and for having finally taken vacation which we've all encouraged her to do and she took two glorious weekends and we're really glad to have her back. Scott Maxwell of course finds music we never think he'll find any place in the world and we love having Scott here doing the music for us as well. If you didn't get your question answered today go to my website WalterReeves.com you can see details about our upcoming trip to Cuba. If you'd like to go to Cuba once in a lifetime experience get the details there and we'll, uh, we'll leave sometime in mid-October. We need to have a, def have a decision real soon. It's been great having a Saturday morning with you, my friends. We'll see you next Saturday for another edition of Lawn and Garden. <laughs>